voice hearings, voice 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 hearings, voice 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 this is Hearing Voices, conversations with the voices that bring the excitement of college sports alive. Now, here's your host, the voice of your fighting Tigers, Chris Blair. Well, welcome in, Tiger fans. I, I certainly hope that uh, maybe the raw emotion and uh, frustration from this past weekend is over with in LSU's tough loss on the road in Oxford because guess what? They got to go on the road again and they got to take on another pretty good team in Mizzou coming up this Saturday. And it's an early start at 11 a.m. from Columbia, Missouri. So uh, got to put that in the rear view and get ready for uh, a battle of uh, cats, the Fighting Tigers and the Tigers of Missouri. Welcome into our little show where we uh, learn and uh, talk to some of the great voices that you and I hear covering college sports and it's a pleasure to have on member of the first timer club coming up this week for good reason wasn't his fault it was all mine uh but the voice longtime voice of the missouri tigers calls uh, football and basketball for mizzou mike kelly and mike uh you know first off thanks for coming on the show we started this show five years ago but unfortunately in 2020 our entire broadcast crew uh was uh you know sidelined due to uh covid uh, and uh, we couldn't get out of the house. So we were quarantined, uh, didn't make the trip to Mizzou, obviously, to call the game. We called it remotely. So that week, I couldn't have anybody on the show. That would have been your first time. Um, and, and then, uh, again, the last time LSU and Missouri played here in Baton Rouge, I guess the first time as conference foes, um, uh, we didn't have the show. So there we go. Yeah. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you, finally. Well, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, happy to be on. Uh, happy to spend some time with you. I've long admired your work and certainly have enjoyed, you know, getting to uh, meet and, and and speak and get to know one another over the last few years. And uh, so, yeah, let's let, let's have fun. Wasn't you mentioned the COVID year and and, and I'm just what a crazy year from from for, from everybody's perspective, but from a broadcaster standpoint, from a fan standpoint, certainly from teams. Um, the last time LSU came to Columbia, Missouri was riddled, um, with guys out of the lineup because of COVID, you know, and, uh, it just, I don't think we'll forget that part in our lives that that point in time. No, I don't think anybody will. And certainly we won't. And, you know, I need to send a thank you because we were not planning to do any of the games remotely. In fact, we didn't do any remotely that year, except for the LSU Missouri game, because we had, uh, a member of our crew uh, sidelined uh, with COVID, and we were all quarantined. Um, but we we knew that there may be a possibility. But it was the first time, Mike, that we actually had to go and and you know uh, so so to speak, get the X's and O's of how we were going to do this. And I got to tell you, if it weren't for the great crew that you guys have that helped us out tremendously with getting uh, you know effects feed. Uh, from oh. from Furrow Field, uh, they went out earlier in the week. We tested it so we could sync it up um, to make it make it fit, and, and we had a delay system. I mean, there was a lot that went into it. That uh, frankly, without the help of you guys and cooperation, I, I don't know if it had been or would have been as successful as it was because people were shocked the following week when they were asking me stuff about columbia and i told them well we weren't there and they said what do you mean i listened to you guys and i said well we were literally in the lsu administration building in a conference room 
with multiple monitors and a feed coming from from you guys. And uh, so again, thank you. I, I don't know if I've thanked you before, but it really was a, a, a collaborative effort uh, among conference colleagues to make that happen. And, and I know that's not the first time you guys have done that, but I do want to thank you because without your help, we wouldn't have been able to pull it off and fool a few people. Yeah, it certainly was people other than me, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad our group was helpful. And, um, you know, we were quite fortunate in that we didn't we didn't have to – we were able to travel every game that season during football. Now, basketball was a different story, um, you know, because, of, yeah, as you know, the, the just the conflicts or the, the logistics of travel during basketball becomes much more – uh, challenging because of multiple games during the week, things like that. But, uh, you know, we're flying on commercial airplanes and staying in Airbnbs and trying to stay away from people. And we were laughing about this the other day because, as you remember, some of the press boxes didn't bring food in, right? You had to bring your own food. And so <laughs> we'd come rolling. In. We, we might have had the best spread in our booth because we'd come rolling in with a cooler full of you know, lunch meat and, and snacks and desserts. It was just, it was, it was crazy, but uh, yeah, just a, just a, just a weird time, you know, for, for our, in, our, our industry, but also our country too. So. Yeah, it's certainly, uh, it's, you kind of take for granted what it means to be at the game site. And I talked with everybody that I was able to do the show that year. And, and as you mentioned, basketball, a lot of us called uh, for, for example, mm-hmm. here at LSU, all the road games we called, uh, remotely, we were able to go to the NCAA games. At that point, things had, had kind of let up a little bit, but uh, it was different. And, and it certainly, you realize then, yeah, the technology is there. And yes, you can pull it off, but it's just, uh, to me, it's not the same. I don't think you can grab the same emotion um, right. that is required for the job. Uh, I talked about you're at the mercy of what uh, you know the director puts on the screen. So anything outside of that square rectangular yeah. box, you have no idea what's going on. So it was a challenge, but it's nice to be back, and it's going to be great. Made a couple of trips to Columbia for basketball and baseball, but this will be my first time and our first time uh, there at Faroe Field. I know you guys have a great facility. So, again, very thankful to call games in person. Uh, thanks to uh, LSU. Shout out to LSU Athletics. And uh, hopefully that will continue for a long time. Uh, Mike Kelly's our guest this week on Hearing Voices. He has seen uh, some of the great moments in in Missouri athletics. And, uh, you know, first off, Mike, I didn't realize this until earlier today. Congratulations. You are a Hall of Famer. And and there's not a lot of Hall of Famers we have on this show. So let me get that out of the way. I think in 2017 you were inducted uh, into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame for your work as the voice of Mizzou. Um, that had to be a thrill. Um, I mean, goes without saying, um, because you're a young guy. I mean, when I think Hall of Fame, I'm thinking, what? Mike's in the Hall of Fame? How'd that happen? But again, yeah. much like our friend David Kellum, who we had on the show last week, you guys got started uh, at, at a relatively young age because you're still young guys. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, you know, I, I I look back at that whole experience in 2017 and um, was absolutely stunned in, you know, September of 2016 to get the call and um, say that I was being inducted into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. And then, um, 
you know, to have that experience. And uh, I went in with with uh, with my friend Vince Coleman, who, you know, played for the Cardinals, obviously. And uh, Vince and I became friends when I was at KMOX in St. Louis and and he was with the Cardinals. And then um, Jim Crane, the owner of the Houston Astros, was in our class as well. And so I've gotten to know Jim uh, since that experience. And uh, he's a he's a wonderful person that does not only uh, a lot for the city of Houston, but his alma mater is Central Missouri University in little old Warrensburg, Missouri. And, and uh, he does a, a an amazing amount of behind the scenes work with, with, with that institution. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a shock and, uh, and, and certainly quite an, an honor to be, to have that, uh, bestowed upon me several years ago. You know, it's interesting because as you mentioned, you worked at legendary KMOX and, and, and I have to believe that growing up and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that, that being a broadcaster was, was something you were obviously interested in and, and boy, going for KMOX, I mean, you're not, you're not messing around. Um, and, and, and I read this story and tell me if this is true that when at the age of 29, uh, Missouri, the university of Missouri was looking for a radio voice and you got an endorsement from the Jack Buck, like the Jack Buck, the late, great Jack Buck. Do I have that right? You do. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, Chris, I've been very, very blessed. I mean, beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. Um, when I got into this business, um, if I backtrack, my, my, my father, my father would pick me up from practice um, games, coming home on the, on the bus after games, things like that. And he would always have on camel X on his on, on his radio in his truck. And so, you know, from a very young age, I became very familiar with 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 those voices that uh, that that made up the radio station. Jack Buck, uh, the late Bob Hardy, um, who was a morning show host. Jack Carney was a midday host. Uh, but then, you know, guys like Costas came through the doors. Dan Deerdorf, uh, Dan Kelly. Uh, Bob Starr, um, just to name a few of the people, Bill Wilkerson, who I replaced doing, during uh, doing Missouri football. Um, you know, I, I initially when I went to college at SIU Carbondale, I, I thought I was going to go to law school and uh, quickly became familiar with um, a class called business law and quickly realized that that wasn't something that I was quite interested in to the degree that I thought I was. And so kind of transitioned and and radio just seemed like a kind of a natural fit for me because I played sports in high school. I played sports in college and I just, I, I just wanted to stay close to sports without being a coach. Hindsight being what it is, maybe that wasn't a good idea given the salaries today. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I was at WDWS in Champaign, Illinois, um, just outside of, uh, well, just after college, I was in Champaign for four years. My actual job, first job out of out of college, was at a small radio station in southeastern Illinois. I literally was there for one week, interviewed in Champaign, and put in my two weeks' notice at the end of my first week. And so, um, the owner of that station didn't really appreciate the way I handled that first opportunity, but it was a chance to go to Champaign, home of the University of Illinois, do a lot of different things. Uh, I was going to get a chance to do a talk show each night. I was going to get a chance to do sports in the morning. I was going to get a chance to do some play-by-play. 
And then in 1988, uh, after the 87 season, the football Cardinals were leaving St. Louis. And I had done some uh, stringer work, if you will, for KMOX. And I got a phone call and uh, said, hey, we've got a couple openings. You need to apply. And uh, and so I did. Uh, in April, I came in and did an audition. Um, I talked to a guy by the name of Jim Holder, who's one of those legendary figures in the sports office at KMOX. And uh, I said to Jim Holder, I said, how do I get this job? He said, well, you got to get to Robert Highland. Robert Highland was the senior vice president of CBS Radio, the GM of KMOX. Uh, he said, but you better you better get to him earlier. You're not going to get him during the day. And the, the reason being is that Mr. Highland was so entrenched in so many different civic uh, organizations in the city of St. Louis that he literally, Chris, was there. The, and there was a classic story. Bob Green, the, the columnist from the Chicago Tribune years ago, wrote a story about the classic workaholic, and it was Robert Highland. He literally, and I'm not kidding you, there were times he'd show up at the radio station at 11 o'clock at night and then work through the day and be there till 5 o'clock the next day. And his general routine is he would come in, devout Catholic, he would pray, he would work on civic obligations until just before 6 a.m. He would walk across the street to the old cathedral in downtown St. Louis. He'd go to mass at six. He'd come back and begin his workday at seven. So Jim Holder's point was, if you don't get him before 6 a.m., you're never going to touch him. So I said, well, how do you get a hold of him? And he said, it's 314-444-3201. And for, from literally early April until I was eventually hired in mid-July, Every Friday morning at 4.15, I would set my alarm and I would get up. And at 4.30 each Friday, I would call that phone number. And Robert Highland would pick up. It was the direct dial. And the first couple of conversations went like this. Robert Highland, Mr. Highland, Mike Kelly calling from Champaign wants you to know I really want the job. We're still looking at people. Click. And that would continue <laughs> until literally like early June, he'd pick up and he'd say, Michael, how are you? And I thought, you know what, I'm, I might have a chance here. So was hired, was working at Campbell X. My relationship with Missouri began because I started doing Tiger Talk in 1989 um, because I was willing to drive to Columbia from St. Louis to do the show. And then uh, when when the basketball play-by-play -play job came open, uh, Jack Buck said, do you have an interest? And I said, absolutely. And... Uh, you know, Mr. Buck said, well, whatever I can do, I'm happy to do it for you. And so um, that's that's a long winded answer to your to your to your question and to the story to verify it. But uh, I'll never forget doing my first Cardinals baseball game and walking into the booth. And I did it with Jack and he and I thought I'd got to the stadium early. It was like four thirty for a seven o'clock game. And he's seated in his chair and he rolls around. And he looks at me and he says, kid, once you've done one, you have done more than most people. So we kind of had a chuckle about that, and he allowed me to call the 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 bottom of the ninth inning, which was a surprise, and you know the rest is history. I was very very blessed to 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 have a chance to work with him, Chris. No doubt about it. I mean, you just mentioned some of the titans of, uh, you know, as you said, sports radio, not only in the Midwest but but uh, known. Uh, coast to coast. Mike Kelly, voice of Missouri, our guest this week. And before we start talking about this matchup between Mizzou and LSU, um, I remember back, and it seems like we're going back to 2020 a bunch, but if you remember, we had several uh, broadcaster calls. I think two comes to mind where, again, we were all trying to figure out what we were going to do. There were no sports to call. 
Um, and at that point, we still didn't know if we were going to play a football season. This was in the summer of 2020. And uh, I know we all got together. We were on a Zoom call. So, yeah, it looked like the Brady Bunch. We had everybody's face uh, in those squares and we're talking. And, and maybe a lot of people in the conference knew this. I did not. There is a tie. You mentioned uh, Southern Illinois and Carbondale. There is a tie between two SEC voices here in 2023, and that is the esteemed Mike Kelly, who we're talking with, and Andy Burcham, who we'll have on the show <laughs> next week as LSU gets ready to welcome in Auburn. But you guys are calling SEC uh, basketball and football and baseball, but yet what is the tie coming down out of Carbondale between you and Andy? Andy went to Indiana State University. I was a senior at SIU Carbondale. I was working for a guy named Mike Reese at WCIL Radio in Carbondale, Illinois. Mike was the longtime play-by-play voice of the Salukis of SIU. Uh, he just retired prior to this season. Um, Andy was hired by Mike to do afternoon drive and, and do uh, women's basketball at SIU, uh, in addition to high school football and things like that. And he needed a place to live. And so uh, my roommate and I had a uh, had an extra room. And so Mr. Burcham moved in for us or moved in with us, lived with us for for a little more than a year um, and eventually would sing in my wedding in 1988. That's it. So, I, I knew there was something I couldn't remember, but yeah, that's it. Sing yeah. at your wedding. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that when Auburn played at our place, um you know, Rod and Annie came over and we're talking and <laughs> my wife walks in and she turns around and looks at Andy and says, hi, I'm Lori Kelly. And Andy Burcham said, I sang in your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Andy, I'm so sorry. You know, so, anyway. Well, I mean, we all look a little different than we did, I think, on our uh, on our wedding day. So uh, we'll give. Oh, uh, I had we'll, hair, brother. <laughs> uh, me too. Uh, me too. <laughs> Mike Kelly, our guest this week. Um, Mike, uh, again, uh, one of the best in the business, and uh, as he's touched on, has has really called some – he's kind of had some of those bucket list opportunities in his career. But, of course, uh, he is known far and wide as the voice of Missouri basketball and football. And, and right. Mike, I was, you know, getting ready for this week. As I mentioned from the outset of the show, it was uh, – it was not a fun Saturday in Oxford. Uh, if you love offense, it was a great day um, to yeah. watch uh, teams run up and down the field. There wasn't so much defense uh, for either team and certainly not for LSU, which is a major concern. But you start looking at this Missouri team, and before we break it down and, and maybe look at some matchups, you know, this is a team that you know came on big when they joined the SEC, winning back-to-back SEC East uh, titles, I believe, in 13 and 14. So it was like, uh-oh. These guys have hit the ground running in, in, in SEC play. And it's been a while since then. Um, but you take us back to the offseason um, because LSU comes off the season they had, 10-3. and three, They get a dominating win over Purdue in the bowl game. Suddenly, as if no surprise, the, the bar goes way up here for 2023. Yeah. For Missouri, coming off last year, we're – during spring ball and the lead-up prior to the opening game, kind of where was the fan base as far as expectations for this particular team with Coach Drinkwitz? Part of it was is that this is this is Eli Drinkwitz's fourth year. He's sitting at 500 as a head coach after three years of Missouri, and you better win this year. That, that was where the fan base was coming from. Um, the administration, I don't think they were quite to that point because um, you have to understand – uh, Missouri really took a step backwards 
after Gary Pinkle's retirement. And uh, it's not an indictment. It's just the honest truth. If you look at the wins and losses and, um, you know, Missouri in 19 had won five consecutive games. And last time Missouri had been ranked this high and, um, or actually 19 was the last time they had been ranked. And um, they go to uh, go to uh, Vanderbilt and lay an egg. It'd be 21-14. And that was kind of the, the beginning of the end. Um so, you know, Eli comes in and, and, and a lot of the talk in the offseason from the fan base was this is a really, really important year. Inside the program, it was we think we've got our best team. Quietly, we think we've got our best team. Um, they felt like they really addressed several areas of need in the portal, um, particularly at wide receiver um, with Theo Weiss coming in from Oklahoma. They thought that they've added depth um, on the defensive front with a guy like Niles Gaddy that came in from from Jackson State. And they felt like they had a depth at the offensive line with Cameron Johnson, who, who followed Brandon Jones, who was the offensive line coach at Houston, is now the offensive line coach at Missouri. Uh, Marcellus Johnson was a young man, or is a young man from uh, Normal, Illinois, which is about probably three and a half hours from Columbia, maybe four uh, he was at Eastern Michigan, and he he came in in the portal. So they they felt like they addressed some needs, right? Um, spring was – Eli has got a philosophy that he wants to have spring as early as possible because he wants to give his team the maximum amount of time to recover from any injuries that may be sustained or off-season surgeries. So not many people got a chance to, to, to see much of spring. Um, in fact, the spring game, it was so cold um, and there was snow that weekend here in Columbia that they moved it inside to the, uh, to the old indoor facility. Um, and, you know, it was just basically friends and family. So that was the offseason. Coming into the season, there was kind of a little bit of after watching the spring and watching summer workouts and kind of seeing, if you will, um, the makeup of this team from a leadership standpoint, um, there was the feeling that they had extricated themselves away from some people that needed to be needed to go elsewhere and filled spots with guys that they thought were team guys. And so there was some optimism. And then, you know, you get into camp and um, the more and more I watch camp and, 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 I thought, Chris, I missed two practices during the preseason. I thought not only is this his best team, I thought this team's got a chance to to, to maybe have some fun this year. Um, you know, we were talking off the air about just schedules, right? And you look at Missouri's schedule and you get South Dakota, Middle Tennessee State, Kansas State, then you go to St. Louis to play Memphis, and then you go to Vanderbilt. Well, the, the one that Missouri fans were circling the whole time was, can you imagine what Columbia, Missouri will be like if you're five and zero and LSU comes to town, here we are. So, and as I said to you, if we all are honest with ourselves, you you had to be five and zero because now you get into the portion of the schedule. Four of the next five opponents are currently ranked, and in six weeks, if you don't take care of business, you could be five and five. That's just that's the reality in in, in the world that we live in the Southeastern Conference because. You know, God forbid somebody gets hurt, a key component to your team, and uh, then you don't know what's going to happen. And so um, I think the the one thing that I that I would say about this group, Chris, that that has not been 
I could not say this until this point in time with this group under Coach Drinkwitz, is that you finally have a group of what I describe as mature competitors that when you're walking around to different position groups during the preseason or during during the week watching practice, the conversation is about ball. The conversation is about what did you see here? What did you see there? How do we do this? How should we do this? As opposed to focus outside of football or, or not being focused solely on football. And so so that's been that's been that's been fun to watch. It's been neat to to see that unfold in in year four and and um you know, and I think Eli's done a really good job in terms of his transition now away from being head coach, quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator, and now relinquishing the OC duties to Kirby Moore, who's done a really good job in tweaking the offense and allowing the head coach to be the coach and the CEO. And I, I think there's a – I see in our head coach a level of calmness that I haven't seen before. You know, when you take a look at, uh, we'll start on the offensive side. I mean, it obviously starts with Brady Cook, and I know this past weekend uh, set the SEC record for most consecutive passes, uh, pass attempts without an interception, which he has not thrown an interception this season. Obviously, that's that goes to decision making, Mike. I mean, he doesn't try to force balls into tight windows. He doesn't throw into double or triple coverage. Um, but I want to start with the offensive line, and you mentioned that you've got a mature and talented group there. Because while I'll give a lot of credit, deservedly so, to Brady Cook, it seems to me it helps when you're not put into situations where you have to make uh, bad decisions. So the offensive line has obviously allowed a talented quarterback to make the right decisions and make the right throws, and he's certainly good enough to do that. You've got two guys on the left side that will make their 34th starts at, at left guard and left tackle in Xavier Delgado and Javon Foster. Connor Tolleson at center will make his 19th start, 19th consecutive start uh, for Missouri on Saturday. And then Cameron Johnson, the young man I mentioned, the transfer from Houston, um, has started four of the first five games. And Armand Mimbu, who's a true sophomore from the Kansas City area, will make his 11th consecutive start, sliding out to right tackle from right guard. So that experience, obviously, is, is key. Now, this is a group, too, that when you when you bring in new faces, Chris, as you know, they, they five have to operate as one, and there's been some growing pains at time with them up front. Um, Brady, they did not give up a sack last week against Vanderbilt. Um, they still probably are penalized too much as an offensive line, uh, but they are they are an experienced group. And and the 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 one thing that that I think is has made a difference. Um, particularly in the play of the center, Connor Tolleson, is Brandon Jones, who was a center at Texas Tech, who, you know, coached at Texas Tech. I mean, among the guys he coached was Terrence Steele, who's now at the Cowboys. Um, you know, he was at Houston uh, before coming to Missouri. As a former center, he and Tolleson have created a bond uh, to where Connor Tolleson is now, I think, enjoying the sport again. And I don't know you could have said that a year ago. And so uh, that, that's that been very helpful for the development of that group up front. Let's talk about running back, and we'll start with Nathaniel Pete because, again, he's one of the tops uh, in the SEC, um, and he can run the ball effectively. But but you got to go pay attention to really both of the running backs that we'll see, I assume, the majority of the day as being part of that passing game, an extension, if you will, uh, of the run game, using them 
in the passing attack. I can tell that Pete gets the majority of carries, but how do they utilize the two backs? And, and I assume we'll see both of them on Saturday. It'll, it'll be kind of a balanced approach with, with both those guys. Cody Schrader being the other one. And Cody's a, Cody's a great story. He's a kid that grew up in the St. Louis area, had no Division One offers, ended up going to Truman State, which is in Kirksville, Missouri, 90 miles north of, of, uh, of Columbia. Put together an unbelievable career uh, at the Division II level and then bet on himself prior to last season. Um, earlier this year, he went over 4,000 yards rushing for the first time in his career. Or over 4,000 yards rushing in his career. Um, and it's just a, you know, just a, again, a guy that was, that believed in himself and was willing to bet on himself when um, he didn't have really any other offer but then to come to Mizzou after he was leaving Truman State. And so Nathaniel Pete's a kid from Columbia that actually transferred from Stanford um, and was uh, all big or all Pac 12 performer in special teams. He, he ran back a number of kicks uh, while he was at Stanford, but it'll be a balance. The, the interesting thing is during camp, you, you would have thought that that position may grow to uh, kind of a four person rotation, four man rotation. But uh, as we've gotten into the season, it's just been the two veterans with, uh, with Schrader and, and Pete. Already mentioned, we're going to see two of the top quarterbacks, not only in the SEC, but really statistically in the country. And Brady Cook and LSU's Jaden Daniels. Uh, we mentioned the running backs, but uh, you talk about some receiver talent that will be on the field uh, in Columbia on Saturday, Mike. You're looking obviously at LSU's Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr., who are racking up catches, racking up scores. But Missouri's got uh, two that right now just an SEC play. And I know there's only one SEC game for Missouri, but uh, these two for Mizzou, led by Luther Burden, who is arguably the the best receiver i think he and malik neighbors are battling to be the best two receivers in the sec yeah. you guys got some pretty good targets also helps that brady cook's got some guys he can throw to yeah it does and, and, and to your point earlier you know fans fans see an incomplete pass and they're like oh my gosh how, how come he didn't throw the ball higher whereas the quarterback sees it and sees two guys bracketed and says you know i gotta throw this at his feet you know live to play another down and and, and brady has become very comfortable in terms of his decision making, and I think again that goes back to that key word of experience. Whereas, particularly at, this, at the position of quarterback, as 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 you move into you know your second, third year into the program, everything in front of you slows down. Um, now, Weiss has come in from Oklahoma and has offered, I think, or brought uh, to the wide receiver room at Missouri a level of maturity and. Um, I think confidence in terms of how you how you prepare, um, and no, so he's a guy that came in during the off season, and 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 now, you know, you get in the middle of summer and guys are leaning on him about again, how do we do this? What do you see here? Things like that, helping the, those guys improve. Luther's got unbelievable God given talent. A year ago, Luther would go across the middle and would get alligator arms. Uh, when he when he when he would sense that there'd be a safety somewhere, you know, in the vicinity. Now he's fighting for every every reception and and trying to 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 make plays afterwards. He leads the country in 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 the number of missed tackles on one player, forced missed tackles, if you will. He leads the country for a receiver is in yards after catch. Um, if Luther has one level of growth that you could still probably see it's it's probably 
realizing at this level you're not going to outrun everybody. So instead of reversing field and giving a field position, get down or get out of bounds and take whatever the defense gives you. But he's 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 really kind of evolved during the second year of the program um, and now meeting, I think, the expectations that everybody had for him when he came out of East St. Louis as a as, as a five star recruit. Uh, here's the thing that, that I look at LSU and, and, and unbelievable talent offensively, historically putting up numbers that are going to rival the 2019 team, right? Why don't more people talk about Mason Taylor? I mean, he, he might be, I, I don't, I think he's the best tight end in the SEC. He might be the best tight end in college football. Yeah, I believe so. You know, he's been hampered a little bit by injury, missed a couple of games, but you know, when you hear coach Kelly, uh, talk about it, Mike. He, he says, you know, there's there's an opportunity. You know what you get with neighbors. You know what you get with Brian Thomas Jr. We've seen Kyron Lacey play well, but where is that real third threat where who are you going to put on him? You know, you're going to bracket yeah. coverage Malik or you're going to bracket coverage Brian, and then who's going to account for Mason Taylor? Now, uh, again, he had a pretty good week uh, catching the football this past week against Ole Miss, and I think as he gets healthier, I think you're exactly right. I think there will be a lot more talk about Mason Taylor because teams are going to ha- have to decide how they defend all of those outside weapons for LSU. But real quick, Tiger fans, LSU fans, that is, want to let you know, I mean, we talked about these receivers. Luther Burden, Theo Weiss, 21 catches, over 500 yards, three touchdowns against Vandy. Um, so there's going to be a challenge once again for LSU's secondary. Mike, in our final moments before I let you go, and again, it's it's great to have you on the show and look forward to doing it again real soon. We mentioned taking the, the temperature of the fan base for Mizzou in the offseason and leading up. Now you're 5-0. and You've got LSU coming to town. It's a top 25 matchup at Faroe Field. I think if you asked a lot of LSU fans, they would say right here going into week number six, this team has not met the expectations they thought it would up to this point. Mizzou, as I mentioned, 5-0, and uh, handled Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt on the road last week. Is the expectation we've exceeded them up to this point if you're a Missouri fan? Or this is what we thought after week one and then maybe after that big win over Kansas State? Kind of what is the mood and how rowdy will it be at Faroe Field on Saturday on, uh, well, at 11 a.m. on what is expected to be a pretty crispy and cool morning? Listen to you. You know, Southerner, it's going to be crispy. <laughs> it's going to be 62. It's going to be perfect football weather. Come on, man. You're going to need a set of long johns? Is that what you're telling me? I, I, I've already packed. I've already packed the, uh, the cold gear, Mike. Armors. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Uh, 82 today, 62 on Saturday. Crazy. Um, Chris, I'd answer this in this regards. I think, I think those that want to hear themselves speak in this look at me society that we live in would tell you that Missouri is where Missouri should be. Those that probably went in with more of a curiosity, if you will, as a fan was, they were probably pleasantly surprised that Missouri came back to beat Kansas State. They came back four different times in that game um, and then took care of business as they should against Memphis and against against uh, against Vanderbilt this weekend. So I think most of the fan base thinks, you know, this is where Missouri should be at 5-0. and But I think they also understand now the real challenge begins for this football team, uh, particularly, you know, you look at the rest of the way. I mean, it's 
there's no off weeks in this league to begin with. And, and, and certainly this, this week, you know, is a bear with, with uh, a talented group coming into town from LSU. But, but the thing I would say, this is my 30th season doing football and I am, I'm very, uh, I'm very proud of the job that, that the, the administration of Missouri has done in terms of getting the buy-in from the student body at Mizzou, because over the last few seasons, um, you know, the student section was maybe half full at times. And now they've created interest and they've created a, um, I, th I think they've made it important for kids to go to the game and, and, and fill up the student section. So that's, that's big number. Number two, uh, the fans have responded to this start. Um, the Kansas State game was sold out. It was the first sellout of Missouri in, in, in several years. Um, the, the LSU game sold out actually the week of the Kansas State game. So it's been sold out for several weeks. Um, the homecoming game is, is sold out. And so um, to have, you know, three sellouts in one season has, has not happened often over the course of the last – over the last 10 years here. And so you've got to go back to those 13, 14 teams with Gary Pinkle that won the SEC East in back to back years. And so, so that's something I'm, I'm, I'm excited about with the fan base. Um, I think, I think 11 a.m. starts are tough on the road team. I think they're tough on the home team because the fans have to understand that, you know, they need to be in the building, you know, before the, before kickoff. And, and sometimes it's a trickle in, if you will, movement, particularly at our place. And so I'm fascinated with this matchup of two top 25 teams to see how early the Missouri fans actually get into the building. One of the things lost, Mike, and, and then I'll get you out of here, last year that Missouri defensively, one of the tops in the SEC, and, and you know, through five games, they've given up a little less than 21 points per game. Um, you know, defense is heavily on the mind of LSU fans going into this matchup, and, and particularly LSU's defense. Uh, real quick, Missouri's defense. Uh, again, I thought at times really played well last year, had a chance to, to, to beat uh, the eventual champion in Georgia the way they played and defended the Bulldogs. Um, defense this year, better, about the same, improving week to week. What's, uh, what's your take from the booth? Well, I'd say getting better. As, as as the season progresses, uh, I'd say they still need to figure out a way to, particularly in base, get to the quarterback. Um, I think that's huge this weekend, uh, particularly with the way that Jaden Daniels can not only extend plays, but he can find those little gaps, those little seams, and, and, and break off a big run um, if, if, if you don't account for the quarterback. Um, had trouble – Probably through the Kansas State and Memphis and at through the Kansas State and Memphis game in terms of playing man to man and losing guys in man to man. They played a little more zone last week at Vanderbilt. They had they they gave up two really big plays that that resulted in scores. And so it's a work in progress, Chris, is the way that 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 I describe it. Uh you know, and I and I think it's a obviously for any team that plays this this LSU offense, it's it's a monumental challenge with this group. Well, again, we know we're going to get two really good offenses going at it. We'll see uh, defensively who has the upper hand uh, when all is said and done on Saturday. Mike, again, thanks for taking time out 
Um, it's great to visit with you. Great to see you again and looking forward to shaking your hand. Uh, I'll take my gloves off and uh, when I get up there in the booth and uh, we'll shake hands and get ready for the game. But uh, pleasure to have you. Have a great call on Saturday. All right, buddy. Thanks for the opportunity. Y'all travel safe. Look forward to seeing you Saturday. Mike Kelly, the voice of Mizzou, been our guest this week on Hearing Voices. We mentioned him earlier. Next week, LSU, after this two-week road swing, they'll be back at home uh, for a night game at Tiger Stadium. They'll welcome in Auburn, and we'll have uh, the aforementioned Andy Burcham will be our guest next week on Hearing Voices. Thanks to Mike for taking time, Harrison Valentine, putting it all together. And we thank you for stopping by our little show. Hope you'll do it again next week. This Saturday, 11 a.m., you can listen to Mike and his crew. You can listen to uh, our crew. We'll be on the air uh, beginning at 9 a.m. with LSU Game Day and then kickoff from Faro Field. Doug Morrow, Gordy Rush will join me for LSU and Mizzou. Until then, this is Chris Blair, still Hearing Voices.